0: Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the Church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived amongst you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Thank you, Philip.
1: Now, it, it, it can be hard to imagine, can't it, what life might have been like in Thessalonica for those Christians. I mean, they're in a situation where they, they walk into a room and every single person believes something different to them. They feel a fool if people really knew what they believed in. They go to a place where they're the minority, where the whole room is saying, uh, conform, uh, do something different, believe something different, be something different. Actually, is it that hard to imagine? I mean, what is life like for you tomorrow morning as you go into your office, as you go to the school gate? As you you mingle amongst friends and family, does life feel like an ever-growing uh, list of encouragements, or actually does it feel like a bit of a battle? Walking out into a world which you know and feel is different to you. Well, that's true because the UK church today does, I think, feel shunned and isolated. It can even make you wonder, saying, is it real? Well, that's exactly the situation that was in Thessalonica. Except uh, they don't have the the common decency that we do today. So there'll be riots. And as a Christian, if you're in the way of those riots, then you're putting yourself in harm's way. You can read about uh, the church in Thessalonica in Acts 17, verses 1 to 9. But this morning, Paul is writing to this church. He's writing to encourage them, to give them hope, to give them comfort. To say, you're standing strong. Keep going. So as we start this morning, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word here to the the church in Thessalonica And we pray as we open it up and begin to see how Paul wants to encourage them, you indeed would encourage us. And we would be ever more uh, seeing a greater picture, and greater view of your goodness and faithfulness. Amen. If you were here last week in the building or online, you'd have heard Phil speak about those first uh, three verses. Uh, And you've heard this verse here, uh, chapter one, verse three. We remember you before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. Uh, Paul is trying to encourage them, ground them, to say, look, you're a real church. You really are God's people. And he's going to keep going uh, with four more reasons. Uh, So here's the first one. He says, look, uh, you're chosen. They have been chosen. Verse 4. Now, I realise uh, this may take some of you back to a place that you, you don't want to go, but uh, do you remember the school playground? Do you remember that experience? Uh, maybe playing a game, I don't know, football, netball, tag, whatever it might be, uh, You know, lined up and it's time to pick teams. That experience can be pretty vicious, can't it? you're kind of your assessed right in front of everybody. Oh, I don't want Billy. He's awful. I want Kathy. She's amazing. You're chosen based on who you are. And then you move forward a bit to your O-levels, GCSEs, or whatever exams it may have been. Chosen based upon your results. Your job. Chosen based on your CV. Now, we even choose our plumber based on reputation and all sorts of things. But the whole world screams at us, you're chosen based on your value. And so we sort of think when we read this, that maybe God does the same. Mm. He chooses based on value. So I either kind of get a bit of a chip on my shoulder. (laughs) I'm a good egg, aren't I? That's why he's chosen me. Or maybe we feel a bit despondent. God could never love me. Not me. Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica to a small Unimpressive, weak church, outnumbered on every side. And he says, verse 4 For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God. Loved by God. The church, God's people, in its weakness, in its smallness, in its vulnerability, in its fragility, is loved by God. Why are they loved? Because God loves. That's who he is. It's not that they're special or strong. It's that God is good and he loves. And because of that, continuing in verse 4, Loved by God, that he has chosen you. Just listen to to four sentences that have been said of God's love. Uh, God cannot love you any less. God cannot love you any more. God will not stop loving you. And here's the real mind-blowing one. God never started loving you. Because he always has. at this point we could wrap ourselves up in knots as we talk about god's choice uh, his election but let me simply say this uh, whenever we read in the bible about god's choice god's election it only does it for uh, to comfort christians uh, to encourage them in humility or holiness or to strive them on to mission uh, only in those four ways does that uh, is it ever spoken and so while we could give our whole time to this idea, let me simply say this. Paul is reminding this church that they are loved, they are chosen. They're small and weak, but they are loved and chosen. They are special. And when we talk about the church, obviously we're talking about all of God's people here. So that's the first thing. They've been chosen, they're weak, and impressive, but they're chosen. Here's the second They've received and responded to the gospel, verse 5. Now there are some words which carry greater weight than others, aren't they? Now, we used to have a dog, he was a rescue dog, as a lovely dog, but obedience wasn't his forte. I'd speak to him and he wouldn't exactly listen to what we wanted to say, unless it was the word walk, in which case, straight to the front door. But compare that with a head teacher, I don't know about you, but whenever I was at school, when the head teacher spoke, you would listen to what they said. Straight away, their words had authority. What about these words here? What, what's Paul talking about? Uh, what well, he says, verse 5, look, you, you heard the message of the gospel. It was a message that had to be heard. It was verbal. It was a good news about Jesus. Uh, but as those words were heard, they came with power. Why? Because they came with the Holy Spirit. They were living and active. Uh, So that when those message was heard, of course, it brought deep conviction. That message of the gospel was heard by this church. It was received and they responded with a deep conviction. They were chosen. They received and responded to the gospel. And thirdly, uh, they became imitators. Verse six. Now, there are a few different types of imitation, aren't there? I'm sure we've seen on things like Britain's Got Talent or other shows, those sort of folk who come up and do impressions of people, maybe even do impression of somebody uh, for for comedy, or maybe, uh, hopefully not, but a bit more meanly. Well, obviously, we're not talking about those. We're not talking about simply copying mannerisms. We're talking about copying someone's life, walking their path. Uh, And what was that? Verse six, you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Uh, this church who's being taunted on every side accepted the message of Christ and not just accepted it, but accepted it with joy. And Paul's saying, look, you're copying me. You're copying Jesus. It's been jokingly said about Paul that whenever he entered a town, he didn't say, oh, what are the hotels and inns like? He said, what are the prisons like? Paul knew what it was like to be beaten and stoned and abandoned because of the gospel. But Paul was simply following after Jesus, the the one who truly was the lamb who went ahead to be slaughtered as he died upon the cross. Paul is saying, look, you're a genuine church. Your faith is genuine. It is true because you've kept going. You didn't pack in or pack up. You've kept going. You received the gospel. You responded to the gospel. You became an imitator like me. Receiving the message with joy. Chosen, received and responded to the gospel, became an imitator of the gospel. And and lastly... They set an example, verses 7 to 10. Verse 7, and so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 8, your faith in God has been known everywhere. Uh, Paul didn't need to ask how they were doing, he knew, because he's been hearing it from everywhere. They're saying, look, this church, this church, they're trusting in Jesus, They're, they're turning away from those idols that... The others in their community are following. And they've turned to, to follow God, to serve him, uh, to wait for him. They're an example to everyone. Later on in the letter, Paul was going to encourage this little church to, to know they are more loved than they can imagine they are strong in faith and hope and to keep going in areas of holiness hope and love but at the very start chapter 1 the whole chapter is him saying well done keep going you're living the life and keep going well done you've been chosen you've received in response to the gospel you've been imitator you're an example Keep going. So how then does this chapter, 1 Thessalonians 1, and particularly these 4 to 10, how does how does that tie in for us? What do we make of it? Well, I started by saying that actually perhaps our situation in life is not actually that different to theirs. As I said, by nature, we're reaping the benefits of, of centuries of Christian tradition. There is a, a, a gospel deposit in our culture that, that just simply wasn't there. But yet, I wonder if our country today, United Kingdom 2021, is closer to a pre-Christian time that experience in Thessalonica than a post-Christian era that may have been true here for a few decades ago. I wonder if our experience today is closer to a pre-Christian environment than a post-one. So how does this letter encourage us here in Hove today? Well, here's the first thing to know. As God's people, God's church, you have been chosen. You have been chosen. God's church is chosen. Throughout our, our whole life, we can fall in and out of favor of different people, can't we? But there is not one thing, not one person or people that can change God's love for you. Whatever you face today or tomorrow, there's no situation beyond the love of God. There's no sin that you can commit that is beyond the love of God. Today, tomorrow, next week, no, you are loved by God. You are a chosen people, a holy people, loved and chosen. And we might do well to remember that today to know i am loved i'm special not because i'm great and good but because i'm loved by god so great is his love for me i am chosen i'm loved we are chosen we are loved secondly you have respond you have received and responded to the gospel when was the first time that you heard the good news of Jesus? Can, can you point to a day? You may not be able to, but, but was there a moment when you realized something had changed? Something from the, from the old to the new. When, when the name of Jesus stopped being a, a fairy tale or a scorn or, or just a bit of a beige color. When it stopped being that and suddenly became the most precious name There ever was. That happened because God's message came to you not simply with words but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and brought deep conviction. Now, maybe for some of us that feels like a long time ago. Maybe that deep conviction doesn't feel so deep as perhaps it once did. But we must remember this. Our status before God, our forgiveness, is an objective fact. If we received Christ at one time, he is ours. And I am his. Today, tomorrow, always. Whether I feel it or not. And let me add in, if you're a guest here in the building or online, and today you're hearing that voice of God, don't ignore it. This could be God's call to you today. You've received and responded to the gospel. Thirdly, you've become an imitator. As I said, it's unlikely that many of us have faced that sort of persecution they did in Thessalonica. But yet there are stories that I hear from this church family who stand up for Christ in families who think they're crazy, who stand up uh, to spouses who would rather they spend their Sunday morning a different way. Or children who think they're wasting their time. But there are stories of those who do good and love others even though they're being mistreated for the faith. There are stories of those here who imitate Paul, who imitate Christ. When things get tough, they keep going. It is true of us as a church family. We are imitators, holding fast to the faith. And lastly, you are examples. If there was ever a few verses to summarize what the Christian life is, I don't think we could go far wrong from verses 7 to 10. A Christian somebody who has uh, turned away from idols... Uh, Turned away from any created thing. In Thessalonica, that of course was literal as we'd understand. Idols, gold statues, gods, they would bow before and give sacrifices to. But an idol is anything that is made. Money, wealth, health, success, finances, security, a person, an organization anything that is made and created. A Christian said, no, I'm going to turn away from those things and turn to the true and living God. Because he is the only one who life is found in. He is the only one who can be trusted. Today, I will follow him. Today, I will serve him. He's the one who will have my best thought every day. Whether I'm at home watching telly, whether I'm at, at at work, at my desk, whether I'm playing tennis with my friends, I will serve him. But more than that, I will wait. I will wait. Because I know my true home is not here. My true home is not here. I will wait for my true rescue, the one who will come and take me home through death or in glory. I will wait. A Christian turns. A Christian serves. A Christian waits. Have you done those things? Have you turned to Christ? Are you serving Him? And by that I don't mean boiling down to simply serving at church. No, serving is far more than that. Serving is, is our whole area of life. It's at home, it's at work, it's in fun, it's at play, it's with the kids, it's at school, it's everywhere. But of course, it's not less than serving at church. And are you waiting? Are you praying as we prayed in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come? Is your focus on what is ahead? How will that change your tomorrow? See, so can you see that, that being a Christian is not a, a list of what you have to do? It's not saying to be a Christian, you've got to have a, a gospel conversation tomorrow at work. No, it's saying you're a Christian, you're loved by God, you've been chosen. You're a Christian, you've heard the gospel, you've responded to it. You're a Christian, you're imitating Christ through suffering. You're a Christian, you're somebody who repents, who serves, who waits, who's an example. Now Go. Be a parent, be a worker, be a son, be a daughter, be a friend. But under it all, be a Christian. Enjoy tomorrow. Be a Christian. Keep going. Know you are loved and chosen. Know you've heard and responded to the gospel. Know you imitate Christ. And be an example. So with that in mind, let's pray as we close. Father, we thank you. Thank you that your word has come to us just as it came to that church in Thessalonica. Thank you for the, for the example the church in Thessalonica were, for their responding to the gospel, for their imitation, for their example. Thank you today that we can have the same confidence and hope To know that no matter how we feel around us in a world that wants to abandon and reject Christ. You are our hope and our stronghold. Help us to cling to that today, tomorrow and always. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.